You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. My name is Sarah, and I will be reading from Ruth chapter 4, verses 12 through 22. May your house become like the house of Perez, the son Tamer bore to Judah, because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. He slept with her, and the Lord granted conception to her, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name become well known in Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Indeed, your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, placed him on her lap, and became a mother to him. The neighbor women said, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the family records of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nishan fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. My village peoples, it is good to see so many of you here today to worship. Uh, If you are worshiping online at home. We are glad you could join us as well, but uh, it's really good to see all of you here in person. Uh, I know one of the uh, fabulous things about this whole pandemic, trying to find little glimmers of light, is that we've been able to have people worshiping from literally all over the world with us. That's kind of amazing. So for some of you who are not in Maryland, it's real cold here right now. It's like crazy memorial day weekend and people having to bust out winter coats again and bubble jackets it's like cold so even some of us here in the building it's like it's a little more frigid than we're used to so thank you for suffering for the gospel it's not suffering but it's a little cold um but it is good to be together um you know we continue to and we're going to share a little bit of uh, some of the things going on to allow us to be present together one of the things just celebrating what god is doing and throughout the pandemic uh as many challenges as we've had we've also been able to see people committing to the village as their church as their family and we want to welcome officially ruth Choi, who's one of our newest partners at the village so ruth welcome to the family really glad that you've taken that step yeah, clap, clap, clap. You can clap from home as well. Uh, and just when we mentioned Intro to the Village earlier, that's, again, a step towards that. Uh, that's part of the ways I personally measure how the Lord is moving in our church, not just how many people come, which is fantastic, but who's committing to say, this is my church. I commit to them. I also know they commit to me. So, Ruth, welcome to the village as part of our family. Really exciting announcement right now. So we have been moving slowly and we are taking rapid steps uh, starting next week. But officially on June 13th, we are going to be transitioning fully to live uh, in our worship expression. And this is really good news. And, and I hope you know this has not been a light 
thing. Like we have not been rushing it. We have been trying to honor what's happening in the government and try to be as safe as possible physically, but we feel the time is right to be able to move in this direction. So Sunday, June 13th, uh, obviously we want to invite you, if you are in the city, to come back in person and worship. We will, uh, for the time being, as long as we need to, uh, have masks worn inside of the building. Um, if you're curious why I'm not, I'm preaching and you've got to be able to see lips. So I'm preaching, but everyone else is wearing masks. We're going to continue to do that just to be, be wise in those ways, at least for the time being. But on this day, we're going to introduce, reintroduce live music, which is going to be really great. This is really a big one. We're going to be reintroducing communion. The Lord's Supper, which we have not done for I don't know how long now, since like February of last year. We said back then, that is going to be our mark. We're getting back together, and it's gone far longer than we thought it would. But we're going to be having communion today. We're also going to be having, um, everyone's going to worship together, including children. And I just want to say really quickly, because I said this to one of our mothers earlier today. Every parent, I want you to know your children are not a convenient inconvenience in our church. Children are supposed to be a little squirmy. They're supposed to be a little loud. They're supposed to giggle at times when there's no joke said. It's okay. That's part of normal life. So we want to celebrate. I think it's healthy for children to be involved in the worship. And just for the parents to know, sometimes you feel awkward, like you're distracting. Maybe, but that's okay. That's absolutely fine. So we're going to be doing family worship through at least July, but there are also going to be children's classes and youth classes after worship at 1130. So it's going to be exciting. That's going to be in person, but also there'll be video elements for those who still need to stream in for different reasons. So just a really hopeful sign. So again, we're going to kind of reintroduce next week, but fully on June 13th. Please do your best if you are physically able to, to be back here as we learn what it means to walk together in these ways. Also, uh, another exciting thing coming up that we want you to mark on your calendar is our summer retreat on Saturday, July 10th. And you see the information, how you can sign up for that. Um, just for some of you who've heard, if you've ever been to retreats, some of us, when we think retreat, we think like teaching sessions all day long. Um, I'm thinking retreat this summer. We just need to play with one another. So we're getting together at Oregon Ridge State Park. We're going to do a little bit of a kind of more like a vision session. Really short, though, just to kind of align why we're doing what we're doing. But we are. We're just going to spend the rest of the time hanging out and playing. That might not sound spiritual to all of you. Yo, that's one of the most spiritual things we can do to learn how to just be with one another. So mark that down. Register just so that we can have a good idea who's coming. Everyone's welcome, obviously. All... um, Everyone, including the children, so set that day aside. So uh, we're we're doing finishing up actually the series through the Book of Ruth here, um, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. Just getting some feedback, it's been encouraging to see how God has been using this to show us different things in our lives. But we've been looking at this very short book, but powerful book, following the story of this woman Ruth. But really, more than just Ruth, it's her mother-in-law Naomi. And also this man, she ends up marrying Boaz. And we saw a lot of heartache in that first chapter, especially two widows who came back to Naomi's homeland. But eventually we continue to see God's provision in providing for their needs. And as we saw last week, ultimately providing this redeemer in the person of Boaz who marries Ruth. And in a lot of ways, last week should have felt like maybe the end of it, like You know, Disney movie, in the end, uh, Prince Charming comes in and it all works out. 
But we have some really good stuff today, as we saw here. And if you've been following along, if you're emotionally invested, this is like our reward. It's incredible. The witnesses, they celebrate with Boaz. And we're not given the precise details here, guys, so we we want to be careful not to guess. But I'm going to assume when Ruth first came to this place, she was probably not welcomed as warmly as she is right now. I'm going to guess she was not celebrated as we see her being celebrated now in chapter 4. Because now there is no doubt that this foreign widow, Ruth, is celebrated as one of their own. She's family. They honor her. And, and it's just this tremendous story of how this foreign widow from, to the people of Israel, a godless land, Ruth is the recipient of so much favor in her life. She experiences so many good things through the kindness of this redeemer named Boaz. And some of you romantic types, you like movies like The Notebook, you love Ruth. Because like Ruth and Boaz, they finally get each other. It's like the perfect ending. And they consummate the marriage, and they have a son. And you know, in, in Hollywood, this might be where the movie ends. With Boaz and Ruth sitting in a hospital room. With this fat little baby and all his chubbiness. Looking into each other's eyes. You know, in love with one another. Roll the credits. But, but that's not how the story ends here. Interestingly... We go back to the beginning of the story. We're given remembrances of what happened in the beginning where we met this widow, Naomi. Ruth is not the only character. There's this mother-in-law, Naomi. She's also a widow. Because this story of God's good and sovereign providence, it's not just for Ruth and Boaz, but it's a beautiful tale of God's steadfast love for this other woman, Naomi even when she didn't know it, even when she couldn't feel it. Naomi, if you remember, she lost her husband and her two sons. She was in a foreign land, and she hated life. I don't know if you, any of you have ever hated life. Some of you maybe feel guilty for saying, even thinking. Some of you think right now, you're judging me right now. You're like, you're a pastor. You're not allowed to say stuff like that. Yo, there are some times when you just hate life. And Naomi was there. She has been through fire, and her friends know it. And in chapter 1, Naomi, she had returned from this really painful season in Moab. And upon her arrival, she declared this. If you maybe you remember it. She said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. She doesn't even say life has been hard. She says God has done this. She blames God. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me. She's unapologetic. Yo, this is all God's fault. I got a good doctrine of sovereignty. I believe God is fully in control and he has made my life hell. Have any of you like ever done something or said something and you kind of wish you could walk it back? Like for me... Naomi in chapter 1 kind of feels a little bit like that. It's like, ooh, she says some harsh words. That's like throwing hands kind of words, right? She's like challenging God. She's just done with it all. But it's amazing. God doesn't curse her. God doesn't say, you little wretch. Why don't you believe? 
Have it not been good to the patriarchs from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses, and you are just some ungrateful little No, he doesn't do that. She's able to express her heart because the world is too, it's just too painful. Like, why even bother with God when it doesn't seem to do anything about the misery of her life? Why do we usually follow God? Because he'll make our life better. Naomi's life kind of poor. It's kind of terrible. And guys, what we find in chapter 4 is why a community of faith and friends is so valuable. Because Naomi's friends help her to remember her pain, but they also point her to the hope of what God has done. Look at what they said. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you without a family redeemer today. Because she did not have a family redeemer. She was looking very poor in life. She had no hope. Her life looked miserable. And they remember that. They said, remember when you came back in chapter 1 and life seemed horrible and you were blaming God. But Naomi, look how God's blessed you now. Look at what he's done for you. Praise him. And their celebration is so much richer because they know the difficulties that it sprung from. They praise God's gift of a son. They, they thank God for the promise of this redeemer who will keep Naomi's family life going and moving forward when at one point it seemed like she was forsaken. It felt like her family was done. They thank God, I love this part, for the blessing of Ruth, who better than seven sons. They just clear. Yo, you could have had seven sons. They nothing like ride or die Ruth. She's the best. You got like the best daughter-in-law you could ever have. She's amazing. And imagine then if you were Naomi, and it describes you holding this baby on your lap, and you cradling this fat little chubby guy. I love fat babies. You can probably tell, right? I mean, her loss is real. We shouldn't minimize what she's been through. Um, but as real as her loss is, it doesn't mean joy will be absent from her life. And sometimes our loss seems like that will be our destiny forever. But God tells Ruth, no, there's hope for you. There's joy. In all the ways that she had felt so cursed from God's hand against her, she now knows the deep satisfaction of the richness of his blessings as twisted as a path it took to get there. And this was one windy road, guys. Um, I don't know about y'all, but for me, unless I am like driving here to church from my house, which is like three blocks away, I always use my phone navigation now, wherever I am going, because I am always looking for the fastest way to get anywhere. And that's probably some dysfunction in my heart. You can pray for me, but I am always in a rush to get where I want to. So I want to know if there's an accident. I want Google. I trust Google more than I trust God sometimes. That's to my confession before you, right? But show me Google Maps. The best way to get somewhere and uh, most affordable. Yeah, help me avoid those tolls. Um, you know, like there's options, right? Some of you are like, no, I want to pay the tolls because I want to get there faster. You're not cheap like me, but we got options in our navigation system. But sometimes life can feel like you haven't even tried to, but you accidentally like chose the selections like uh, Google, help me find the screwiest, most confusing um, scariest road where like, there's like no 
boundaries at all and like I'm driving off a mountain? You know, uh, Google, give me that path where I'm going to be going right into the traffic that's at a gridlock and I'm going to be crawling for miles. Some of you from LA, you know what I'm talking, right? That's like every day. Yeah, yeah, Google, give me that construction zone where six lanes suddenly merge into one and you got that real awkward thing where no one will make eye contact because if you make eye contact, you got to let people in. Everyone's like this. Yeah, Google, give me that road. Throw, throw in a lot of unpaved roads that are going to make me have to go fix my shocks. Throw in a lot of closed roads with like bridge out signs and I got to backtrack. And, and yo, go give me a lot of those fun, turn around now, turn around now, wrong turn, wrong turn. Give me a lot of those because that's always epic. God, I need more drama in my life, right? What the heck? Google, throw me in a couple of crazy deer to throw, jump in front of me. I don't know if you can control that, but give me some deer and give me some falling rock while you at it too. Like sometimes life feels like the path you're taking is just so jacked up. Like when, especially when you're in the middle of traveling one of those broken roads and you just want like a no drama, give me a straight, no hard, give me a decision free path to where I need to get to Lord. Like, God, give me one of those like Texas highways, like 100 miles straight ahead where you don't even have to, you can like drive with your hands like this and you just see those signs for 100 ounce steak like every mile for 100 miles. Give me one of those, God, where I don't do out a single thing and just follow the road. But guys, the book of Ruth was given to us so that we may remember for God's people all those things that seem like twists and obstacles and dead ends maybe are not actually those things at all. That even in all the setbacks and difficulties and drama of life, God is always intentionally for his glory and for your good. And let's be real, it may not look in like the way that you intentionally mapped out your life to be. Often it isn't. But you will get where the Lord wants you to get. And that's what Naomi experiences in her life here. Where everything seemed bad, she's able to look back now and see, ah, it doesn't make that loss any less. She still experienced it. But ah, I see how God was working. I see how God provides. Oh, wow. That thought thing that I thought was like crushing my life is actually, here's how God revealed himself. God was always at work. And I think there's a few lessons we can learn from the journey of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. One lesson, and maybe this is something I've been owning myself. One lesson is you don't have to live in fear of what if. You don't have to live in fear of what if. Because I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes we can be paralyzed by our decisions and choices. What we see in front of us, it'd be so much easier if someone said, this is just what you do and it'll end up good. But often life is full of these decisions and choices. And if you're like me, sometimes you sit paralyzed and you can't move. You can't take a step forward. You can't sleep. You don't want to do anything else because you're so afraid of what if. What if this is the decision that paralyzes me because it's going to crush my life if I make the wrong one? 
Or so maybe more accurately, it's not even the decision, but it's the possible consequences of those actions. And it's almost easier to live not taking them and, and be feeling kind of paralyzed rather than, but what if, what, what if the worst thing I'm imagining actually happens? Maybe we have this pervading sense of dread that we will make wrong choices that relegate us to like the second or third or 10th best versions of our life. Like we kind of matrixy or some of those like uh, movies, right? Like there's all these versions of our life and we are somehow doomed like the worst versions if we make those wrong choices. Like those game shows where you got different doors or different slots or different choices and like you can make that one and you get like $10 million dollars But if you get that one, you get like a jar of SpaghettiOs. That's like your consolation prize. And you're like, yo, I don't want a jar of SpaghettiOs. I can't make the wrong choice. So if you're like me, we do our best to um, ensure that we take the best steps in life possible so that we can have a positive outcome. And I want to make clear here, there's wisdom to that. There's wisdom. It's better than just like haphazardly living through life. There's wisdom in planning, plotting, trusting God. But it could also be revealing how maybe we're living more out of fear than in faith. Like we're being ruled by our fear rather than faith in who God is and how he's revealed himself through his scriptures, but also through life. But guys, I hope you've been getting this throughout this book. The lesson of God's providence in Ruth is meant to strengthen our faith. It's meant to give us hope. Because I'm pretty sure if you would have talked to Naomi at the beginning of chapter one, this is not the path that she would have taken for her life. She would have not chosen these things, but she comes to learn that God's sovereign ways are really good, even if she didn't always understand it back in the beginning. Naomi learns as that tremendous movie, Rudy, if you've never watched Rudy, you got to watch Rudy, but that line, there is a God and I'm not him. I love that, right? It's a deep theology from this movie about Notre Dame, but it's great. There is a God and I'm not him. And Naomi learns that. And, and you know, I'm, I'm real. So like, I guess if someone doesn't know God, that's a pretty bleak way to look at life. Like, I have, God's the one in control. I mean, that sounds pretty bleak, but it's why my hope and my continual prayer for all of you, our church, is that you come to encounter and trust God who is actively at work in your life so that that's not actually a bleak statement or a hopeless one. It's actually one of much hope and much comfort because this journey is increasingly trusting that God is more for you than even you are for you. Like if I would boil down what life is, it's like learning step by step. God is actually more for my benefit than I am for my benefit. And I've been fighting him my whole life when he actually wants better for me than I want for me. And, and that the person who takes steps of trust, even sometimes risky looking ones, for the sake of blessing others and honoring God, if that's you, you never have to live in the fear of what if. You can live confidently. You can trust the Lord. You don't have to fear for settling for second best in your life. 
honestly, things might not turn out the way you're thinking. This is not a Disney movie. This is not, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to make these decisions and in the end, God will still give me exactly what. No, it might actually be different than what you thought you wanted. But it's trusting that God wants for you even more than you want for yourself. Because don't automatically assume that God not giving you what you think you want is always the worst thing. Because God might have a much better plan for you than even you can recognize. Another lesson, and I've been really holding on to this even with a lot of journey our family's going through, is God is not absent in the midst of brokenness. God is not absent in the midst of brokenness. And I think we have to acknowledge that depending on some of you, if you're Christians and if you've come from maybe other churches, sometimes, um, depending on where you are, Christians, we can have this propensity to minimize pain. Like somehow acknowledging that there's pain is somehow like maybe uh, a lack of faith or it's like not helpful. It doesn't encourage other people. Like, hey, don't be that, don't be Debbie Downer because everyone in here is really joyfully praising God and you're going to be the one who brings everyone's frown ups. Don't be that frown upside down guy. Come on. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Um, And sometimes we even use really good doctrine to kind of suppress the harshness of life. But guys, we're never called to minimize real pain. Like the kind of pain that Naomi went through. Be very honest about it. She lost a husband. She lost two sons. Yeah, she got new blessings, but she got real pain as well. Trauma is very real. And I'll just put this, this one's for free, right? But I mean, I want to encourage you, and I just talk very openly about this. One of the best steps for me is acknowledging trauma and seeking even professional help through things like therapy. Because you're never called to just do this by yourself. It's not a sign that you're stronger if you're trying to just gut it out. Sometimes the best thing you can do is acknowledge, I'm coming from a real place of pain. But there's actually hope available. In God, of course. But God uses these other things. And it's not more spiritual to kind of just do it on your own. But our pain is also the reason why we have such thing as hope. Because that's the real nature of hope, right? Hope exists because life can stink. I mean, that's not very profound. But man, sometimes life just stinks. Sometimes life just bites. It hurts. It's like you walking through like a, a sea of thorns. You're like, what the heck? I didn't know I could understand this depth of pain. That's what it feels like sometimes. But guys... What we learn from Ruth and really throughout the scripture is that hope says that what is very broken in the present moment is not the fullness of our reality. Even what seems so broken, and we're not even making it up, but that's not the full extent of reality. God's always at work. Because, and some of you who are going through it right now and your life is pain and maybe you haven't even told anyone but you got it inside, you need to hear as real as your wounds are, as, as real as your pain might be, even your suffering submits to God's sovereign rule and reign. Even your suffering, as big and daunting, as hurtful, as mean as it is, 
even that submits to God's rule and reign. God's not just sovereign over the nice holy moly looking stuff. He's sovereign even over the things that look like they're crushing the life out of us. In the mystery of his providence, he will even redeem those painful things for his glory and for our good. And you know, some of you, you don't know my story well, so I I repeat these things. And if you've already heard it, you can like pray for a couple minutes. But I mean, part of my journey, I didn't have like a clear path to life. You know, I was coming from another city and I was at a point where I was in seminary and I was looking to be hired at the church that I was. It was all my best friends were there. We all served together. We had so much fun. I was like, this is the best place to be. This is where I'm encountering God. This is where I'm growing. This is where I get to exercise my gifts. And when it came time to be hired, I heard, I'm sorry, this is just not going to work out for you here. I was like, what? (laughs) No, that's not the way the story's supposed to go. I'd be a great fit. I'm sorry. No, you wouldn't. And that didn't work out. And I'll be real with you. There was a lot of moments of uh, wrestling through whether I heard God wrong, decisions I had made, a lot of doubting myself, a lot of my insecurities. But you know what it also did? It set me on a path. And I, I can't go through it all. If you ever want to buy me coffee. I'll tell you the whole story. It set me on this path though, where I got a different job, ended up at a different church. Things worked out where my job led me to meet this wonderful woman who happened to live in the city of Baltimore to the point where when we're deciding who's going to move where, I'm like, yeah, I can go to Baltimore. Not knowing what was here, but not having a job here for like a year. And it's like, oh, did I make another bad move? Oh, duh. You cannot discern anything, fool. But God using that to open doors to discover certain gifts and passions and vision that ended up becoming a thing called the village church. So if you have ever received a blessing from this church, hopefully there's more blessings and curses, but if you've ever received a blessing from being part of this community, know that it took like a lot of weird twists and turns and and detours and roadblocks in, in this guy's life for God to allow some of that to happen. God's always at work, even in the things that seem like they're going really bad. God always has a plan. He is not absent even in the midst of things that seem very broken in your life. Because I would guess some of you, you're tracking with me because that's your story. If you reflect on your story, I, I, I'll be real. And, and like, I sometimes pray for my kids, for example. This is their testimony that I just saw the hand of God present in every moment of my life growing up as a little one. And I had no doubt at one point the Bible just fully made sense. So I decided to trust my full eternal salvation into his loving hands. And like they got one of those testimonies really. Well, okay, well, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, I would love that. Honestly, I would love that. There's a few of you maybe even like that. But for most of us, what's our story? Man, I hit the end of my rope. Everything I put my trust in, it became like trying to hold sand. I was even real successful in life, but I saw the futility of that achievement. I was making a lot of money. 
I, I, was, I was rolling in success. I looked like I was in the fast track, but something was empty. Oh, my addictions, man, man, they crushed me. I had no choice but to cry out. Oh, I had so many broken relationships, and I was just crying out because of an emptiness in my soul that I was trying to fill with another person. It's like story after story of heartache and heartbreak and misery that put us to the point where we said, I need someone bigger than all this, and God showed us himself. That's, that's a lot of your stories, right? It's like you wouldn't have come seeking God if you would not hit some tough times in your life because oftentimes that's how God works. God often uses your broken things to show you that you need something beyond yourself. Because things will not always go according to your plan, but you can trust that God's plans are better. For some of you who are control freaks like me, that's really hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. Because I think I'm God. And I think my plans are better. But God is continually showing me, yeah, little one, that's so cute. Trust in me, I'm your dad. I know better for you. And as the book of Ruth closes, it ends with this curious genealogy. I mean, it almost seems like an afterthought. It's almost like the editor came to the author of Ruth and said, ah, we're a little low on your word count. Um, so can you just like stick something in there? I mean, find a genealogy or something, you know, that takes up space. But guys, remember every word in scripture has a purpose. And that is definitely the case here. I mean, to be real for the characters in this book, Ruth, Boaz, Naomi, um, it doesn't mean that much for their present time because they all going to be dead. But this listing of names it is actually one of the most important details that goes on in this larger story. Look with me from verse 18. Now, these are the family records of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. Yeah, that David. Through Ruth's redeemer, Boaz, and through their son Obed, eventually comes the greatest king of Israel, David. And, and from another seemingly like boring gene genealogy in Matthew 1, we discover that through the same family line comes our final perfect redeemer, Jesus Christ. Seemingly random acts from these characters trusting God in the everyday choices of their life and their decisions led ultimately to the entrance of our Savior into our world. You might have thought Ruth and Boaz was just this wonderful romantic story. It's not just some rom-com. It's part of God's great rescue story. He was using every single detail. But it was also kind of scandalous. Remember who Ruth was. She a widow, but she a Moabite widow. She from a godless people. And that's where the line of Jesus came from. Out of all this brokenness, out of all this pain, came the lineage of our Messiah. And history was altered. Your life was altered by the decisions of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, Ruth, but really the whole Bible, it, it reminds us this is really not a book or a message intended for like self-righteous, holy moly people. It's not. I mean, you can get stuff out of it, but 
But this Bible, this story, it's for people whose journeys are really not always Sunday school squeaky, but who walk on a path of of a broken, dark world where hope often seems impossible to see. That's who the Bible was made for. People like me who sometimes look at the world and say, is there any good? Is there any good? And say, yeah, there is. Find the path of redemption through even broken places. You know, as I've been thinking about all you guys here and praying for you, I I realize we're all on different points of our journey. But one common thing that's really, I don't know, fascinating is the word, but whether people have been walking with God for a long time or not even a Christian, one common thing I feel like I'm hearing a lot is how many people feel really dark and hopeless right now. Maybe it's pandemic related, questioning everything. This is really hard. Maybe, maybe for some of us, part of self-awareness is recon- recognizing how, how did I play a part in getting to some of that darkness? And I think that's just the natural self-awareness, but maybe you had nothing to do with it. It's just the life that you've been given. And maybe some of us, you never believe good can come from your life because your life has always felt so broken. It's hard to believe that any kind of good could come from you because you look at your family, you look at where you came from, you look at circumstances, you even see yourself. You're like, I'm not going to try to achieve much. I'm just going to try to hopefully make it and not jack up as many things as I can by the end. For some of you, the families that maybe you were born into makes you feel like you have no choice but to live in hurt and dysfunction. Maybe for some of us, just the world just feels so dark. It's a real hopeful message, right? Some of you are like, man, you stink at your job. I came in here for like a Jesus vitamin. Come on, I mean, you stink. But I guess what I would say is as true as all of those things might be, there is hope for you. God has hope for you. Because following Jesus, it's not about how you started or even where you are right now but it's believing in where he's taking you. And that is hope that is available for every single one of us, no matter how dark your place might feel right now or where you feel you've come from. Because even when the path is windy, even when maybe you like your headlights are busted and you on one of those dark roads and you can't see five feet in front of you, that kind of dark, but you follow the one who knows where he's going who has walked the path of darkness called the cross, and he has an extremely good internal navigation system. He knows exactly where he's going, and he says, follow me. Because you know he is for you. He is for you. And you can trust that even history will be altered by your choices and your decisions. It's not just for your blessing, but God will even use your life even as broken as it might feel. Because you are also a part of this family line. If you're a Christian, you are also part of the line all the way from the beginning, through this time, through Ruth and Boaz and Naomi, through the line of David, through Jesus, and you and I are just continuing to be living out as part of the blessings of that big family of God.
And you know, it's, it's, it's weird as I've been preparing and praying through this whole series that one song has just been on, like it's been like a soundtrack through this whole thing, that, that song, The Blessing. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. Just over and over as I've been praying about you guys thinking that because some of you are just thinking there's nothing that good that can come out of my life. But to know he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And even out of your life, blessings will come to your children and their children and their children and generations and generations. Stand with me right now as we close in this time. Just take a moment right now, wherever you are at, can I ask you to just lay your brokenness down before the Lord? What are some dark places? What are places that maybe you have lost even hope that God could work in? Maybe you felt like you have to do something in spite of those things. Perhaps God is saying that's exactly where he's going to meet you and where he's going to do some of his greatest work to trust him. So whatever you fear, maybe you fear having to be relegated to second, third, tenth best, to be cursed by your choices, the what-ifs. Maybe you think like your brokenness, your family, your decisions in the past, they've all doomed you to failure, to a destiny of nothing but destruction. Can you believe that today even you can take a different course? That God has greater plans for you than you even imagined for yourself. Everything that maybe you feel like you are the problem and you've caused yourself to go on a dark path that God says that can even change right now. Because you are not beyond the grip of God's grace. You cannot disqualify yourself if you are his. All he does is look at you and see deep abiding love for you. You cannot curse yourself from the blessings of God. But what you can do is say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Let me not be my own navigation system, but let me trust in the one who knows where he's going. And I just want to get on his back. So take a moment, whatever that looks like for you, just pray that to God. Maybe for some of you, you have been going on a path where you've been running from God and maybe some of your hardships is his invitation. He's not cruel. He's not unkind, but he will allow you to go through some hard times so that you might say, I need God. I've been trying my own way and it's leading down a dark path. Maybe the Lord is inviting you to receive life in him today, to know this Jesus who went down the darkest path for you. Trust in him today. Say, I need Jesus. And talk to someone. Talk to one of us. Talk to someone you came with and say, I want to know more about this. So take a moment to pray. You don't have to hide from the darkness. Bring it into the light of Christ right now. Father, I pray for my friends here, my family, asking, Lord, that you are teaching us that you are far more for us than we are even for ourselves. 
And sometimes the whole life feels like we're just trying to learn that little bit by little. Thank you, Lord, that your kindness leads us to repentance. You don't even curse us for bad things we've done. There might be some implications, but Lord, you're always inviting us to know your deep love for us. And I pray for everyone here, those who are listening in, that you're inviting us to not determine our whole life just by how hard today is or what yesterday was, but to know that even in the midst of that, there is always hope and you are at work. So give us eyes to even be able to recognize a small glimpse of that. Help us, Lord. We are a desperate people. Sometimes the world feels really dark. Thank you, Lord, that even that submits to your great rule and reign. Lord, remind those who are struggling with it right now that you are for them. Some of us really have a hard time believing that right now, Lord. Let them know you are for them. You are for them. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. As you pray, receive the blessing of the Lord and hear this straight from Scripture. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look a favor on you and give you peace in whatever you are going through in life, as dark as the dark feels, to know the light that shines brightly where there is no need for a sun found in Christ himself. Amen. 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 That's our worship for today. Uh, we're really glad for everyone that's able to worship. Uh, if you're in the building here, take some time right now. Don't just run out, but greet one another. Remind One of the best ways we can share the truth of God and remind one another is to just tell one another, God is for you. So let's do that. Love you guys. Um, have a great week. Uh, and just continue to trust in the Lord. Thank you.